You are listening to Processing Trauma Out Loud, conversations about trauma and healing from two women who are doing the work. My name is Jeremiah Jones, and I'm the producer of this podcast. In today's episode, Candace and Cher discuss another topic in their series on things that are hard to do on the healing journey, but worth doing. Identifying and discovering hidden beliefs and perceptions can feel very hard to do when it requires time, intentionality, and allowing someone else to ask us questions. Listen in as Candace and Cher give an example of Cher discovering a belief that was embedded in her from childhood that is no longer controlling her life. Hi, Cher. Hey, Candace. Great to be with you this morning. Good to be with you today, too, on this Tuesday. Yep. Yeah, we're kind of getting back into the rhythm. We've both had things going on. And you mentioned, I think maybe last episode or the one before, just, oh, I know what it was. We were working on the 4th of July. And just the idea that when we when you love what you do, you don't mind working on holidays sometimes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yes. So last week, we started a series that's centered around this idea of things that are hard, but worth it. And we named last week that one thing that's hard about the healing journey, but worth it is coming to this understanding that our parents, our caregivers were ultimately responsible for demonstrating to us consistently that we were loved, that we were worthy of love, worthy of time, attention, and care. And the truth is, even though they may not have done that consistently, it it doesn't mean that they didn't love us in the way that they could. But the message that would have been sent to us and what we believe could have been that we were not worthy to be loved. Right. Do you have anything to say about what we talked about last week before we dive into what we're going to talk about this week? No, I think I'm ready to go. Okay, because we're going to talk about you this week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This week, we are going to look at something that's hard, but worth it. And that is identifying or discovering the sensations in our bodies that we may not have been paying attention to, the hidden beliefs and perceptions that we have about ourselves and others. And that there's a hardness to that. A lot of times the hardness is just slowing down and being curious and then allowing someone to be with us in it to ask us some really good questions. So when we were preparing for this and we were talking about how, you know, why is this important? Well, until we can accept the truth of what's really going on, things usually don't change. If we keep resisting something or ignoring it or minimizing it or denying it, it it stays stuck. And so you shared something with me this morning about something that you have felt irritated about. Now, I want to say to our listeners, this may feel like no big deal, but it's actually not the thing that was the big deal that was irritating you. It was the hidden perceptions, sensations, and beliefs underneath that we ended up kind of going deep in. Yeah. So as people are going to listen to this story, don't get caught up (laughs) in that. Oh, that's no big deal. Be more curious about what are those little things possibly that are bringing you irritation and causing you to respond in ways that that don't feel good 
to you or maybe to others. Yeah. So you want you want to share that, uh, you know, what we talked about today? Yeah, yes. And I think also, Candice, that sometimes we ignore or we we don't spend time going there, you know, to these these areas. But I think also often we desperately want the change and we just don't know how to, how do I really change? I've had a few people ask me that recently. I'm, I'm understanding more of the concepts. I'm, I'm seeing more of the, the things, you know, I'm, I'm identifying my dysregulations more, but, but how do we really change? And I think that it's not that we aren't trying and that we're just pushing it away or, or sometimes we do for sure. But even those areas where we desperately want change and we just don't know how to get it, sometimes it's the little things. And I think you and I have talked a lot about the big dysregulations and 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 in the ways that we're learning how to identify, you know, where do we go on on the window of tolerance and all of that. And yet today we talked about a story that just seems really small. And that is I recently, we sold our house. We are in temporary housing, staying with my sister-in-law and brother-in-law. And so I've always parked my car in the garage. I, I love having my car clean and, you know, really crystal clear. Like I, I pay to have a membership at the car wash. Okay. I hate to say it. <laughs> So does my husband, by the way, <laughs> so that I could go through. But here we're parking outside and we're parking on the street and my car gets hit by the water sprinkler system every you know two or three days. And so all over my windshield and the rider's side windows of my car are mineral deposits. And so every time I get in my car, I immediately... I see that and I notice that it's irritating me and I have this sense of I really need to clean that off. And I've been contemplating filling a water bo- spray bottle and keeping it in my car with, you know, vinegar and some paper towels and all that. But instead, I decided that I wanted to explore why is this bothering me? Why does this irritate me? Because, you know, really, it's no big deal at all. Life goes on. It's from my prefrontal cortex, logical perspective, like it's totally irrelevant in the scope of life. Yes. And let me, let me just say too, you know, that, that would be irritating, I think to anyone, but this isn't just about this incident of your windshield, right? Right. There's a difference between, oh yeah, that is irritating, but, but you tend to get more stuck in it. Yeah. And not just that, but little things, you know, crumbs on the countertop, you know, mm-hmm. that can be a big thing to me or things I'm not a really, I don't even consider myself a perfectionist, though I know this sounds like it, but it's these little things that are out of place or not done correctly that it's that scenario that I'm beginning to notice the sensations in my body. So when I get in my car and I notice that, oh, there's the mineral deposits again, and I am starting to notice that my 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 heart and my my shoulders and I am getting this feeling of constricted. So I've been really slowing down. And just when I get in my car, I just try to spend a few minutes noticing what am I feeling. And I'm because I really I'm on this quest to find out what are the underlying beliefs that are going on here. And so I'm noticing this this tension and the stress that I feel. And I've been just 
sitting with that, allowing my body to feel that sensation and, and then engaging my, my mind and saying, okay, I feel that stress. I feel that distress, distress. And what am I afraid of? Or what is causing the, all of this tension? And then I'm beginning to notice that it's connected to some of my young stories of how my dad struggled with rage and he owned his own business. So he would come and go often. And when he would come, I think I've even told a story about this before, but we lived on a gravel road and he drove a truck and a half a mile away, we could hear when the tires of his truck hit the gravel. And immediately I would go into this hypervigilant mode of scanning the room to see, is everything okay? Is anything out of place? Does anything need to be taken care of? And I really felt like it was my role to be the buffer mm. between this tornado that would walk through the door and the rest of my family. And, and this was my perception that right. that was my job was to keep everybody safe. And so my way of keeping everybody safe was to jump up and make sure that the counters were clean and the shoes were neatly in a row and all of that. All of these little details that, again, in the scope of life are utterly meaningless. And yet to me as a child, there was a real sense of danger. Mm -hmm. So here I am. Five decades later, six decades later, and I see these little things that something and, and the message that comes to me kind of in a sense is something must be done and I'm the one to do it. So I better get the vinegar out there and clean off the windshield. And is there danger today? No, absolutely not. But my brain and my body still feel those same sensations. Like we said, that may not sound like a big deal. But because you have been doing this work long enough, you have slowed down to become more curious. One, it's about accepting that this is happening. Yeah. And it's not your fault. Because I asked you a question pertaining to, you know, share, how do you feel about yourself that you have this happening? What are your beliefs about yourself? that you get easily irritated over these things that seem like no big deal. Yeah. And it, it was such a good question and, and, and kind of just, you know, stopped me and made me ponder because this is what we're talking about here is what are the underlying beliefs? And really, like I know, it's the, it's the old shame question that I have asked myself so many times throughout my life. What is wrong with me that this has to bother me? Yeah. Yeah. And so slowing down and noticing what's happening in your body, not just identifying that, being aware of it and knowing your stories now that you've had care around, you can say, okay, this makes sense to me. But then processing it with someone who can be with you in it maybe sit in some of the grief of it, of, of why it's even happening, but then just continuing to ask questions that can help you begin to release, begin to, you know, forgive whatever space that is in the ways that you chose to self-protect that, that aren't serving you today. It's vast on what can come up when we're being with someone 
as they're processing things that are hard, like, you know, why is this happening and what is wrong with me? So to have a face and to have a voice say, oh, this isn't about anything that's wrong with you. Yeah. Like, of course, your body is hypervigilant when you feel that something is out of place or out of order. Mm -hmm. This is actually common. Like there's lots of other people. And I'm guessing we have some listeners who can relate to making sure everything is in order Mm-hmm. to feel safe on the inside. It's two concepts, right? It's the hypervigilance and then it's the hyper responsibility. Mm, yeah. And I I appreciate your your using or, or bringing in the concept of grief because I think that's what I feel as I think about this today is I know the shame message that I have lived with my whole life of there's something wrong with me. And so as I, you know, as we talked today and that came up again, you know, that, yeah, what that's, that's the underlying belief. Something is wrong with me that I get bent out of shape about the little things. And then when you said grief, I think that really, I really felt that like, yeah, this is, I don't feel the deep accusation today so much because I have really worked and confronted that message a lot, but to be able to grieve that, yeah, it has impacted my life. It has impacted my relationships. It has been hurtful at times to the people who I love the most. And to be able to grieve that without self-contempt just feels like that's a place I want to spend some time. Well, we've said this before, what we resist persists, you know, what we don't feel can't heal. And so this is one of those things that, you know, if, if there is some more grief in there, allowing yourself to slow down. Of course, this is going to bring up some sadness, right? Of how you have really, I'm just going to say for many years, exhausted yourself Mm -hmm. over scanning the room, monitoring people's responses, looking for the thing that could disrupt connection. And yeah, there's grief in that because it, it actually stole something from you. Yeah. Tell me a few things that you feel like that stole from you. I think for sure, being able to be in the present moment, Mm. being able to enjoy like what's going on around me. I think I have really struggled with that a lot in my life. I often perceive myself as standing on the edge. I know it it can sound okay. So I'm just going to say it like making sure that everyone is okay. Yeah. So like even um, a couple of weeks ago, I was at the beach with my grandsons and there was someone out swimming. It was it was early in the spring. The water was cold and a, a young teenage girl went out, in my opinion, too far alone. And so I here I am having a fun day with my grandsons and I am keeping my eye on her. I'm really concerned that she is not the water's too cold and she's she's going to get a cramp. And she's going to get in, in distress. And I mean, I may, I'm making up this whole thing. Like I'm, I've, I've got my floaties right there. I'm ready to go, right? If she needs help, I will. I, I know what I'm going to say to my grandsons. And, and so I'm not able to enjoy the, and that's a, that scenario has happened in my life a million times in a million ways. Yeah. Taking my attention away from 
entering the joys of the present moment because I have to make sure that some person I don't even know does not drown. Wow, that just feels really significant to to really even name that. I I think that I've had some awareness of that, but maybe not even the full scope of mm-hmm. how often that is really true for yeah. me. Yeah, I'm feeling that too. Yeah. Just the burden of that little girl that had to make sure that everybody's okay. Yeah. And I also want to name that, you know, your gift is to care about people at a exquisite level. Mm-hmm. But where where the hard work but worth it comes in for you and for me and for anyone who's separating out the trauma yeah. from the gift, right? Mm-hmm. Is that caring for someone out of the fear of that little girl or yeah. the dysregulated that you know having a nervous system that's dysregulated yeah is different from seeing someone and noticing okay i if she needs help i'm going to figure out how to get her help and then just coming back to the present moment right so it it's a different type of awareness mm-hmm. one consumes you So you can't even stay present. Mm -hmm. And the other one is just your good heart Mm -hmm. to know that even though you didn't know that girl, you would have helped her if she was in distress. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you see the difference there? Yeah. We talk about this so much that it's, this is how we change the neurobiology in our brain. By, by slowing down, by noticing, by, by, you know, just your, your question causes me to ponder. How often, even still, am I taken out of the present moment because something in my peripheral vision is calling for my attention? And 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 there's yeah, there's a goodness to that, and there is a a trauma response aspect of that. That and that's the part that I want to be able to establish the new neural pathways that can can allow space for the the goodness and allow me to be much more present in my present reality here today. Yeah. And I, and I would already say you're already doing that. Yeah. I think so too. Yeah. In in multiple ways, you are being intentional to notice sensation, breathe, tell your little girl that it's not her responsibility and then come back into the present moment. That is acceptance and transformation. Yeah. It's not that you would never feel it. Mm-hmm. It's just that if you feel it, you're able to slow down. You and I both know this. This can literally take 30 seconds to a minute. Yeah. In the moment. And and I did that somewhat even that that day because I noticed I was starting to feel angry. I was actually starting to feel <laughs> angry at this girl. <laughs> I kind of wanted to go over there and say, you come to the shore right now. And when I noticed that, and I really started to notice that I'm dysregulated and I made the choice to turn away and, mm-hmm. and just focus back on my my grandsons and to say, Lord, take care of her. May she be well. And I'm not the lifeguard on duty here. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, good job, my friend. And you know, we it, we can laugh about it and we can laugh at ourselves now at times when we notice things. But this, this really initially, especially, it is hard. Yeah. Like it is sometimes, honestly, 
it feels hard, but what's what's most hard is staying in it like it's normal and there's nothing we can do about it. Right. Yep. There, you know, if we've resigned mm-hmm. that we can't experience growth and transformation, this is just the way we are and there's nothing we can do about it. Yeah. That is a different type of hard. I agree. Yep. I've said many times being stuck and not knowing how to get out of that stuckness is that to me is the, that's the place of deepest agony. Yeah. Well, before we close today, I want to just say this, this feels very significant. This can take years. Yeah. Sometimes things shift pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. I I would think it would depend on the strength of the neuropathway, right? I want to just say it just don't give up. Just stay in it. Stay with someone in it. Think about it. If if it takes several years to shift something and to begin to notice those transformations, it, it'll be worth it as opposed to living in it for the rest of your life. That's right. There is joy in the journey. You know, mm-hmm. even though we know there's more to do, every moment that you catch a breath of fresh air is beautiful. That makes me think of our Pearl story group, right? We've been together so long and we know each other so well that there is a sense of play at times when we tell somebody, okay, we got triggered and this is what we said and this is what we did. And we're like, oh my gosh, you know, there's this sense of play in it because we, I can't even explain how we've taken our story seriously, right? And now there's so much compassion and understanding and a a childlike joy over the ways that we can sometimes fall down and then get back up. And the love and acceptance of like, of course, of course, we're going to fall down. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Of course, you're going to be noticing that or yeah, it's Mm -hmm. it's so fun. Uh, So good to be with you today around this hard but worth it topic. And we will be back next week with another one. Yeah. Good. Love you, friend. Love you too, friend. Thank you for listening to Processing Trauma Out Loud. Make sure to check out the show notes for links to suggested resources and social media. Like, subscribe, and follow to keep up with our weekly content. And if you don't mind, take a moment to rate and review us. Your feedback is extremely valuable and contributes to the success of this podcast. One last thing, if you have found this podcast helpful in any way, or if you have questions on how to take the next steps on your healing journey, please reach out to us via email at CandiceShare at gmail.com. That's K-A-N-D-A-C-E-S-H-E-R at gmail.com. Music was created by Caleb Paxton, and our sound engineer is Jeremiah Jones of Potted Story, LLC. We welcome you to join us for more conversations soon. Take care.